Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 205 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt, and we're joined as well by Zach. What's up, boys? Happy to be back. We're recording on Monday, so I'm very happy with the United result. I mean, the points, at least. We'll get into that at the end of the show, but I'm doing good. Yeah, it's been a long four days for me. Uh, very excited with all the matches in that, but wasn't fortunate enough to watch a lot of them. I had to catch a lot of the games on highlights. I still have a, a few I have to rewatch. So once we get to the certain matches, I'm not going to have as much detail details and stats and stuff about what I thought of the game. But still, we have a, the three of us here. We can handle it. But yeah, I was really excited, happy with my team's performance, what we got out of it. Maybe could have gotten a little bit more, but with the squad we had and now moving forward with the the new players coming in, it's very exciting. So things are moving and uh, we're getting to the end of the summer. So it's, it's positives in all directions for me. Yeah, me too. I mean, there is just so much to talk about. I didn't, I mean, I knew that I was missing football badly in my life, but man, it is so nice. Well, I was sick this weekend, like sick as a dog. So I actually didn't work. I sat at home with four screens and watched every single game. I mean, obviously, really there's there, there's stuff that I missed just because it's hard to keep up with, with so many things going on at once, especially Saturday mornings. But I got to watch all of Friday's game. I watched Arsenal at 7.30. I got to watch all of Crystal and, and Sheffield United. Um, Newcastle and Aston Villa was a screamer. Yesterday's games were both really good as well. And then today, that game fucking sucked, but there's a ton to talk about um, just because of the result and how... Pr- undeserving really i think manchester united were today so i suppose we can get right into these games start off with burnley nil manchester city three we kicked off the league at turf moor on friday afternoon uh things got off to the start we probably expected with holland scoring a header in the fourth minute he turned another one in i mean an absolute belter in the 36th minute uh, a left-footed strike that was just placed top left corner that I don't think literally anybody else is making first time. It was <laughs> effortless. So good. Um, Rodri scored again in the 75th minute. And then Anus Zaruri <laughs> with a crisp red card in the 94th minute. Uh, intent was definitely red. Tackle, I thought, was a bit soft. But uh, yeah, Burnley not really up to the task on their first game back in the prem i just i don't know i i honestly don't think city looked that good you'd look at their stats and say 17 shots eight on target 66 percent possession but this wasn't city even close to their best um and it was certainly a departure from from last season i think when i watched this game they really really missed gundawan yeah i think uh Comparing it to an F1 car, I think this was Man City in third gear. I agree. Can go all the way up to eighth gear. And, I mean, you saw with Pep Roulette with the starters, we saw Foden get the start this week over Grealish, Alvarez in behind Holland, which seems like a good move. And then Bernardo, who just agreed a improved new long-term deal with City. So those rumors are gone. And I think the Walker deal to Bayern is off now. So I think... All their outgoings are pretty much done. Maybe Laporte's the only one left that could be heading out. Uh, there's talks of Ortega going to Bayern too, filling in that that goalkeeper role for them. But 
Yeah, it was it was pretty tame. Burnley couldn't really express fully how they wanted to play because City played pretty much how they want to. And just the, the talent gap is so massive that it wasn't even a really met, uh, much of a competitive match. It seemed at times a practice session, training match, pre really just a preseason game extended by a week. So um, fitness was a factor. Burnley guys were just mentally drained afterwards and I felt like James Trafford, baptism of fire, his first <laughs> yeah. Premier League game, 20 years old against his former club, the the trouble winners, three time, three uh, three years in a row, Premier League champs. I mean, guy did as much as he could, and they picked up unfortunate injuries to Bayer, their one of their main center backs, uh, Josh Brownhill, their captain, didn't even start in this game, so it was an all around bad mess. Uh, I would I was thinking before the week even started, their season starts next week. Um, when they play a more manageable uh, competitor. But, yeah, it's unfortunate, and hopefully company could take some positives out of it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's things to be learned, no doubt. I don't think, um, I don't think really this, like, surprised me at all. Uh, what did surprise me is that somehow since the last time I've seen company, his body type hasn't changed at all, but his head has gained eight pounds in weight. He has the biggest fucking head I've ever seen. It's insane. <laughs> I was watching the game and I was like, "What's wrong with company?" <laughs> like, I I thought I thought something was going on. Yeah, they have their next week match. Next week's match was supposed to be them playing Luton, but it's postponed due to Luton needing to upgrade their stadium. They need a little bit more time, <laughs> right? So right. they'll have the week. They'll have the week off until uh, the last Sunday of the month. They'll be. Posting against Aston Villa, who got a bit uh, got their ship rocked this weekend, but yeah, they'll have a lot of time off. And I think I heard in interviews, players said that, and staffs, the company puts so much time and effort into preparations for, for each match. And now we're going to see if that continues on this year with um, all the teams they play and their schedule being a little more uh, stretched out compared to last year, where they're playing forty six league matches and then early on in the cup stages. So. It should be a better, a more positive thing for them. Um, I would say one positive that I forgot to mention was the the high pressing they had early on in the match. It was good, specifically in the first half. They were they were winning the ball in great areas, stealing off Rico Lewis uh, support passes out of the back. So Ederson had a bit of misstep, and they created a couple of good opportunities. They just couldn't capitalize on it, and you need to against City because those th those don't come very often. But yeah. Uh, Unfortunate injury to De Bruyne, who we're probably going to see out for an, at least a month. Yeah, he's starting to get to that time, I think, in his career, maybe. Like, you can't last forever uh, in a system like, like City has. It's a lot of running. It's a lot of hustling. And, I mean, KDB has had a fantastic career, and they just won the treble last year. So, take your rest. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. And I think that's why they're looking at Paqueta as a possible replacement. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on Rico Lewis? I thought he was fucking awful. Like, genuinely awful. Zach, you want to take on that? Um, with Rico Lewis? Yeah, I, I thought he was really shit. I mean, Kyle Walker's still on the team, so... They, yeah, they, he's they kind of played too. the same role last year. That right-back role is something I, I, I'm assuming they're going to need to improve on. Yeah, I just don't, like, understand why. I know... Uh, Cancelo's on the fringe now. Like he's not 
liked by Pep and he and Pep don't see eye to eye, but I don't know why you wouldn't try to settle your differences because for a, a period last year and the year before, Cancelo was like far and away the best fullback in the world, in my, in my opinion. The, how he can get forward and play essentially as a midfielder as well, I, I don't know. I, I just think like that is so crazy that you're just letting him rot away while you try and use Rico Lewis, who has 15% of the footballing IQ. I don't know. And he's young, too. Like, I'm being harsh on him, but I thought he was yeah. genuinely really, really bad. Yeah, I think Pep takes the approach that we don't negotiate with terrorists. So if there's any negative mindset and the players don't want to be there, he's okay with them leaving. And now, obviously, that doesn't work with 99% of clubs because they don't have the resources that Man City does and the, yeah. the, the academy and all that. So the club as a whole and the, the backroom staff and the, the executives and all those are are occupied by coherent and competent people that know what they're doing, unlike other clubs who seem like they need to spend, spend, spend to get out of holes. But... Yeah, I mean, they can get away with that, and if he doesn't want to be there, he can leave, and Lewis has a lot of potential, and last year we saw him get integrated a bit more. This year he gets the start, probably won't get many starts. Uh, we saw Guardiol, the new signing, come in. He's probably going to slot into one of those two center-back roles and maybe push Ake out to left-back, where he played last year primarily. So um, it should be a lot of more, lot more rotation now with their squad even more than last year. He's probably going to try to find who's the new Mares role, who's going to be his main guy in clutch moments to get winners, as well as who's the who's that engine in the middle who can get things going because you have Rodri as the as the hold and pivot at times. And excuse me, if De Bruyne is not there all the time, they need somebody to create moments in the middle. And so there's they still have a lot of questions, especially when they get into those big matchups moving forward in the season. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. Arsenal two, Nottingham Forest one. A uh, bit of a sweat for three points, to be honest with you, especially being a home game. But we got it done. Uh, <clears throat> saw many of the new signings in. Uh, we saw Havertz play. We saw Rice play. And we saw Timber play as well. Timber, unfortunately, pulled up lame. He is going to be out for a while. He's got an ACL injury. It was non-contact, maybe stemming from some earlier contact in the game, but not something I wanted to see, especially considering Timber was going to be the first choice left back for, I, I would assume, the foreseeable future. That is obviously not going to be the case now. We're going to have to get Zinchenko back in there, which is fine, but defensively he's a bit of a liability where I thought Timber was much, much better. This game... uh. Forwards got off to a hot start. Gabriel Martinelli with an unbelievable roulette backheel assist to Eddie and Katia. Uh, dribbled into the box, squared it nicely, finished to the right of former practice partner Matt Turner. Then we saw Saka in the 32nd, just six minutes later. Uh, six minutes later, score a contender for goal of the weekend, I thought, with an absolute screamer from outside the box. It wasn't until the 82nd minute when Nottingham Forest got a goal of their own, and who else but Taiwo Awani, uh, the guy from last season who scored like six goals in three games to guarantee Nottingham Forest safety, scored on a counter, really just lovely exhibition of his pace and finishing prowess. Um, <clears throat> this game probably could have been closer, to be honest with you. Brennan Johnson missed a goal early on uh, from a mistake that we made, and he just wasn't able to get his <clears throat> body over it, sort of blew it over the bar. I think Nottingham Forest looked better uh, than probably I, I would have expected them to come out and look. 
And Arsenal were able to get it done, but still the, the defensive issues uh, sort of continued, I thought. I mean, Partey is playing right back now, which is fucking insane. But he honestly was 10 times better at right back than he used to be in midfield. So maybe Mikel knows something that I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, overall, thrilled with the three points, but I don't think uh, this was the Arsenal that they can be. I think this was, you know, they weren't all the way down on the gas pedal. Zach? Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I mean, every team's going to, looks like uh, it's going to take a couple weeks to get into it. Maybe one other team I think is already there. But Arsenal is one of those that might take one or two more weeks to get going. Uh, Partey, I did hear that he also has right back experience in the past. So that probably explains a bit why he's more comfortable there, which is good to see because uh, of the timber injury. But yeah, both teams showing what they can do here. I liked uh, how an ease goal because Alanga came in off the bench, gave him that assist. He could add a second one there. Laid in Gibbs-White. So Forrest on the counter looked pretty dangerous. And they had one away goal here, which is a crazy start for them because last season they struggled very hard away from home. Yeah, they did. This was pretty. This was pretty competitive. They made a good match, and I think party at right back was, if that's a long term thing, is a liability. Uh, Gibbs White going at him down that wing was just skinning him every time he got the ball. The just his pace was not there for Partey, and he always needed cover from Ben White coming over, who is ideally coming across. So I don't know if that's just a short term thing. Maybe he's trying to test out. Havertz role in the midfield now after the community shield where Havertz was up front and didn't get the job done and Ketia comes in and knows the system very well and he gets it there um, so we'll see if this continues next week when they have to go to play Crystal Palace who is kind of their bogey team at times but should be a good matchup especially after Palace dominated Sheffield last week I think they averaged the third most or second most shots they had 24 shots last week so should be a different story against Arsenal, but yeah, I think Partey shouldn't be shouldn't be a long term thing. And then we don't know what's going to happen with Raya and his integration into loan, the team. Apparently, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a one year loan with a buy clause uh, if they want. Um, it's just to get him off the Brentford books for a year, and then they can go from there. But yeah, it's ideally the main Arsenal squad. The guys off the bench are pretty good. They only use three subs. Um, nothing really else off that bench. A couple youngsters on there as well. Uh, you may maybe thought of maybe bringing in uh, Smith Rowe or Nelson to do something as they did last year, but he chose the older guys and Trossard there. And uh, obviously the injury to Timber. We don't know what the long term issue is there. Hopefully it's nothing too too serious. Um, looking more into it, but oh shit, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fucking re- serious. Yeah, it's <laughs> really serious. Out till December. So. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. So we're going to see when Zinchenko comes back, he'll fill right back in there. Tamiyasu's going to get a lot more minutes. Both Great. of those guys are reliable. But yeah, we'll see moving forward. You just got to stack up your points as early as possible in the bank. And for Forrest, hopefully this is a good sign moving forward on the road for them. If they can keep a close match against Arsenal, where they're having to play a very low block, only have 22% possession when they go play the. Everton's, Luton's, Wolves, they'll be more involved in these games and can hopefully nick a few more points to get out of that relegation zone sooner. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, on to Sheffield United versus Crystal Palace. Uh, We saw Bramall Lane once again. Palace 
went to Sheffield to take on what's their nickname? What's Sheffield's nickname? Blades. It is the Blades. Blades. It is the Blades. Um so the Eagles went on to take on the Blades. Um Crystal Palace with a comfortable one nil win. Um one nil maybe not indicative of the real story here. I felt that Crystal Palace were absolutely dominant. Um, tons of chances created, 24 shots, eight of those on target, held 68% of the ball and had nearly double or more than double Sheffield's passes. Um, this was like a complete domination, to be honest with you. You had Edward up top, Eze right behind him, Ayu and Schlupp, uh, outside, and then Ducouré Lerma playing defensive midfield with Tarek Mitchell, Mark Gahey, Joachim Anderson, and Joel Ward behind. Uh, Johnstone was in goal, and I I just felt that this was this probably isn't the strongest lineup they can put out. I think Matata is better than Schlupp, but you know that's obviously not my choice. That's up to Roy. Um, but this is exactly what we were expecting in terms of a Palace performance. It was free flowing. Eze had a ton of involvement. Uh, he was my first round pick in fantasy, I think, and. I was just really happy uh, to see how they played. I think taking three points in your first week uh, is really all you can hope for. And right now they're sitting in fifth place. They got one goal for and zero goals against. So one spot below Arsenal and above both Manchester United and Chelsea, boys. Yeah, I think you got Eze in the third round. Oh, was it late? Yeah, Who did I take in the first? You took Mo? You, you went Mo. Oh, I would take Mo. James, yeah. Then, then uh, Eze. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eze's a good one. I'm tripping. This was, uh, this was one of those games that I haven't watched fully yet. I'm still trying to catch up on. But Sheffield was one of those teams going into the season a few weeks ago. I was excited to watch, especially Ilham Adai. Uh, he was going to be an absolute game changer for them. But he's gone, as well as their their general defensive mid in Berga, who goes to a rival in Burnley. So... This team looked really bad um, stat-wise. They chance creation are going to have a massive issue. Benny Traore couldn't get it done this week. Uh, they missed their their target man in McBurney. He'll probably be back next week um, for their next upcoming match. And I don't know. It's going to be a long year for them and Paul Heckenbottom, who I don't know where they're going to find any results. Hopefully they get they start actually spending their money. I don't think they have much of a budget, so. They're gonna have to find. They're gonna have to nickel and dime their way to find a couple of nice little bargain deals. Hopefully, some teams are desperate to get some guys off their books. But uh, for Palace, a great way to start. Three points on the road. Um, you never want to start your season out on the road, but if it can be one of the newly promoted teams, um, that's decent. Better than having to go to like a Man United or City. Um, and yeah, just getting Eze off to a great start, dominating that in his new role there as the ten. Hopefully, if as a or sorry, if Elise when he comes back, if he stays, they can keep this form flying high. But uh, I'm starting to think more and more as the days go on, he might be leaving. So hopefully, they can fill in those roles. It's going to be hard to, but defensively, they look sound. Sam Johnson's taken over as the number one in goal. Uh, the, or I think currently the third third in line in the England team behind Ramsdale and Pickford. I think. Uh, he's probably in tight competition with Pope as well. But, yeah, I thought it was overall great performance. I thought Lerma on his debut was dominant. He led the the uh, the week in aerial duels one. He had, like, 12. Him and Ducori next to each other are absolute demons. They'll, they will absolutely fuck you up. And, having, and that allows Eze to 
have more have more freedom going forward, which is perfect for him. So they have a great system going forward. Maybe one or two more signings for depth if they can keep a list. Say, I think they have a strong chance to push up into maybe that top ten area where some other teams might be dropping off. Yeah. Um. Okay. We have Bournemouth one, West Ham one. Up next. Do you remember what we picked for this game? Uh, I believe we both took Bournemouth, and Zach took. Zach got a draw. He sent me his picks uh, the day after, so he got that one right. Yeah. So I actually, I actually bet on a draw. I picked every single game right from Friday to Saturday. Um, and then or not the late game Saturday. That one went crazy. So I had like five to win like nine thousand dollars, and I I had a cash out, so I cashed it out. I had a good Saturday, but this one didn't go how I expected. Uh, when I said my pod predictions uh we still saw antonio up top i don't know how but he looks like a ghost we had dom Solanke facing off against antonio jared bowen was in benarama for nows paquetas still playing even though we basically accept that he's a manchester city player by now uh philip billing in the midfield for bournemouth rothwell max aaron's in there milos kirkes who we talked about a little bit last week and these two teams were only able to summon a goal apiece. 16 shots for West Ham, 14 for Bournemouth. Three shots on target for the Irons and five for the Cherries. Possession actually edged in Bournemouth's favor. I was I was pleasantly surprised with Bournemouth. A little bit disappointed they weren't able to get on the sheet earlier. Um, but, but Bowen had that goal in the 51st and then Solanke had a strike late. Uh, so the two teams would share the points. I don't know how you, how you guys felt about West Ham. They they looked super mediocre to me. I think they were lucky to nick that goal in the 51st, but um it was a nice piece of of individual skill from Jared Bowen. I I don't know. I I'm still not sold on West Ham. I don't think this is a fantastic result. I think Bournemouth will be much much happier with the point than West Ham will be. Zach. Yeah, I agree. Uh I heard in recent years at least West Ham has or Bournemouth have always struggled to get points off of West Ham in this matchup, at least uh, in the last couple of years or so. Um, and they get the draw here. I mean, I got it right. I figured it'd just be mediocre versus mediocre here. <laughs> it, uh, it seems like it was. Yeah, I don't think the possession side of things is going to be fully telling of how Bournemouth are this year. I yeah. think their manager is coming from a La Liga background, so they do value possession a lot, but I don't think in the Prem with the quality they have and their roster step that they're going to be able to maintain 60% possession against the majority of teams in this league. So, And West Ham are one of those bottom-tier teams where they don't really care about the possession, uh, especially now that they are they lost Rice and potentially Paqueta. They will be bringing in Ward-Prowse this week, and then I don't, I didn't think... Or sorry, with Maguire on the bench for United today, that that made me think that the deal with him to West Ham is a little bit further behind than I thought it w- where it was actually. So, um, and I don't even know if center back is the place they need to improve on. Really, it comes down to that midfield. So, we'll see. They have all the. They probably have the most money to spend out of everybody right now, um, from this window alone, with their with the amount of sales they made, but. Yeah, it's it's uh, unfortunate they gave up the the three points here. They could have used it really bad. It would have been 
good for Moyes to get that that pressure from the media off his back because a lot of people, including Evan, think they're going to get relegated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Once the European competitions kick off next month, uh, we'll, we'll see how badly it affects this team. Hopefully by then they can bring in a few more bodies because they're one of the lightest squads. And uh, this was another one of those games I didn't really get to see much, but I would like to because I want to see how this Bournemouth team plays with their new management. And uh, unfortunately, my boy Dango Otara, my fantasy team, picked up an ankle injury here pre-match or in a training session before the match. So he'll be out until October. So there's going to be more playing time for the likes of Cliver, uh, David Brooks, and then Ryan Christie. I think those guys are all pretty solid to go off of there. And then um, I guess it does rely on Solanke. Uh, One of the high school boys, Joe B, thinks Solanke's going to score 15 goals this year, which... That's it's kind of ludicrous, shame. but if they does, they're definitely going to stay up. Yeah. Um, all right. Shall we move on to the next? We have... Oh, yeah. Brighton 4, Luton Town 1. This game was a, a slow burn until until the end. Uh, we had Sally March getting the scoring started for the Seagulls in the 36th minute. It wasn't until the 71st that Brighton added another with Chao Pedro. He scored in the 71st, and then we had Carlton Morris get one back. It was 2-1, looking like maybe Brighton would just ride it out, but that wasn't the case. They started to cook. They scored again in the 85th. Simon Adingra, a name I literally never heard of, and then Evan Ferguson, a name we are all familiar with. He added one in stoppage time, 95th minute. Their total tally on shots was 27. They had 12 shots on target. Luton Town amassed nine shots and three of those falling on target. 71% possession for Brighton and just 29 for Luton Town. Game went how everybody expected. It just took a really long time for Brighton to really start cooking on the goals. Um, we saw a little bit of, of James Milner. This was his second 22nd start. I guess, 22nd year. So he's been playing in the Premier League for 22 years. This equals the record held by, do you know? Ryan Giggs. That's right, Ryan Giggs. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty sensational stuff, honestly, from Milner. Probably not the player that Giggs was, but still, very impressive. What would you guys think of the game? Zach, you can start. Uh, I mean, this was just... Brighton going to work. That's what I thought. Especially with the Adingra coming in. You said you never never heard of this guy before. You're probably going to be hearing uh, a lot more of those names pretty soon with the amount of money Brighton made off the Kaisoto sale. Yeah. Their scouting team's going to work and they're just going to be rebuilding. Probably making more money in the future off of guys like that. But uh, they look like they didn't even take a break. I mean, Mitoma and March were killing it on the wings. Gross taking up uh, the attacking role that McAllister left him there. Yep. which he kind of had already locked down before McAllister made his name there. Um, and then they had the uh, Hood behind him playing that box-to-box role who did a decent job here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's just uh, Brighton keeping pace once again. They're playing Luton, who's probably a relegation favorite here, but they beat him by a three-goal margin, which is what you want to see from like a top club. Yeah, it could have been six or seven. Um, the last 10 to 15 minutes of the match... You could tell Luton was absolutely exhausted. Yeah, they were cooked. The third goal was abysmal. I, as soon as I saw it on the replay, rewatching the match, just my I had to put my head in my hands because it was so bad. It was 
it was their player who is the first player ever to go from non-league to the Premier League, and it was just a he tried to clear the ball and mishit it right into a Dingra who was eight yards from goal, and he volleyed it right out of the air. I mean, it was just so so bad. I felt really bad for the Luton fans, but they were they were absolutely hyped the whole match just for being back in the Prem. I remember one of the boys in the group chat put the uh, optimism for fans of their clubs and the ranking all of them in the league and Luton fans are like at 80 90 percent or looking forward to it but I don't know how long it's going to be lived um for Brighton's sake I really like Dahoud in the middle on the ball he was very versatile uh very um he, you couldn't really catch him he was just sneaky on the ball uh getting away from people it's just movement was silky smooth and uh gross is that versatile guy linking up play gets forward I think Milner coming in perfectly takes what Gross was used for last year and at times Caicedo um, down that right can fill in the middle, just versatility that Deserby loves. And I think just like Evan said, a slow burn, and you could tell Brighton and the fans were getting frustrated after the first 30 minutes, not being able to put a chance away. But Toma couldn't really get cooking. That Kabori on the right was locking him down early on, uh, but things weared out, and then he got the ball into March, who put it away. João Pedro... Luton fans hated him because he played for Watford, and I learned that Luton and Watford are massive rivals. So he was getting booed anytime on the ball, and when he scored the penalty, he was loving it. Um, Welbeck, good game. The back line was pretty ter- was pretty tame. And then um, Lewis, the penalty decision for Luton, I thought I didn't see where the handball was. It was a cross into the box. It hit Dunk in the back. I yeah. didn't see how it hit his arm. The referee didn't even go to VAR. He just gave the decision. Yep. I was very confused, but it was a lifeline to Luton, and it got Carlton Morris off on the mark. I'm sure he'll have another five penalties this year. That's pretty much where he's going to be getting his points. Uh, But Luton Town didn't have any creativity moving forward for me. Anytime they got the ball on the wing, they whipped it in, even if it was one against five. That's Um, the German cross. Yeah, so cross inshallah for them, it's not going to work very often, especially in this league. And um, yeah, if their fitness can't get up, they're going to be um, absolutely destroyed late on, especially with added time becoming more and more, or being longer and longer now. They'll be they're, they're going to lose a lot of points late in games if they get an early lead. So um, stuff to, for them to work on. I'm sure this formation will probably be where they they're going to be at for most games. Uh, with a three-five-two, five-three-two, however you want to see it, but yeah, uh, not a good impression on me. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that's probably what pretty much everybody was expecting from Luton as well. Um, okay, let's move on to the next Fulham one Everton nil. Everton's relegation starting off early. Fulham, yeah. dis- despite not really looking that great and only tallying two shots on target, get one to fall in the 73rd minute with a goal from Bobby D Cordova Reed. <laughs> Everton looked better going forward than I thought they would. Uh, they've, they had Mopai and actually Ducore was playing way further up the pitch than he probably ever should. I think Iwobi should probably be in that position that uh, Ducore was in, but what do yeah. I know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like they, they actually shot the ball a couple of times. Um, I I think Leno had like an unbelievable game. Uh, he denied Mopai and Ducore with really really good saves. Um, Patterson hit the goal like or the crossbar one time with a goal was just open. 
uh i like this was just this is tough man uh, everton 100 should have had a, a goal in this game they probably could have stopped the de cordiva uh reed goal as well this could have just as easily been a one nil game to everton as it could have been to fulham but again everton just not showing up uh to the point that they need to they're they're gonna lose games like this all season long and i think that's that's why they're gonna go down i will say it was it was a change for sure like they looked way better going forward in this game than they did pretty much all of last season so maybe they'll score a little bit more but i still think defensively like having ashley young Michael Keane, or, um, and fucking Nathan Patterson is not really a huge recipe for success. Zach, yeah, I don't really have much to add onto this one. I mean, this is a boring one for Everton. Yeah, it's boring. They surprisingly struggle at home compared to on the road here, and just by the books here as well, not scoring at home. They have like some of the best fans in the league too. Those people are fucking diehard for Everton and they suck ass every year. It's got to be so hard being an Everton fan. Yeah, I thought Mopai cost him the game. Half of the he saves Leno had to make or Mopai shooting right at him. There was a clear cut one. He was six, eight yards out and he poked it right at Leno, made his job easy, but... I agree. I think a Wobie in that 10 could be better. I think they have to wait until Dwight, Dwight McNeil gets back, but it seems like a lot of their investments go into the front line. I think they have a Portuguese forward coming in, and they're looking to bring another attacker in as well, which is definitely where they need to bring the talent in. Having James Gardner at right mid isn't a, a, a position of success um, for me. And yeah, I thought Everton deserved to get something out of this game the way they attacked. It was a nice change. The press was good from them. They held Fulham. Uh, Fulham did have more possession, but Everton held them in to have that possession in non-dangerous areas most of the time, and they won uh, possession in good positions a lot, more than they did last year. I thought for Fulham, Jimenez was absolutely useless. Um, he did have a shot off off the po- off the woodwork at one point, but... He, in the build-up and anything, was trying to check down into pockets in the midfield and was getting absolutely none, none of it, no, no love. And when he was up top, they couldn't find him at all. But Mitrovic came in and did have a bit more of an impact. He has a bit more of an aggression for him. And then um, the midfield three of Reed, Luka, uh, Lukic, and Kearney is just very, very mid. No Pereira in the start line of Paulinho being out for a little while is really going to hurt them. And they were very fortunate they got away with one here. But next week against Brentford, they're not going to have that luxury. I like their back line a lot. The wingbacks are very solid. They create a lot of good opportunities. And they're both nice on the ball. Uh, Diop and Ream, solid. Ream was a doubt to start in this game due to him, him recovering from that broken wrist. But he gets the start over new signing Bessie from um, Rangers. Or sorry, from Ajax. And then, uh, yeah, Leno had to stand on his head. Um, Wilson, William, solid. They just need that number nine to start popping off, and hopefully if Mitrovic decides to stay after all the Saudi drama, he still may go. But, yeah, they, they're going to need him this year if they're going to replicate what they did last year. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next one. We have Newcastle 5, <clears throat> Aston Villa 1. My mid-round masters, Sandro Tonali and Musa Diaby, getting the scoring. <clears throat> excuse me, started off early 
a goal from Tonali in the sixth and a goal from Musa Diaby in the 11th. Had the game sitting at 1-1, just 11 minutes in. And then Isak and the rest of the Newcastle attacking brigade took over. Isak with a goal in the 16th, a goal in the 58th. Callum Wilson getting on the, the sheet in the 77th. And then new boy Harvey Barnes in the 91st. End-to-end, absolutely shit-pumping Villa the entire day. Um, Villa had a decent attacking performance themselves with Watkins and Diaby, Leon Bailey and McGinn getting involved, but just weren't able to get anything other than that goal in the 11th to fall. Um, I mean, their defense didn't look great, to be fair. We saw Tyrone Mings go out injured, had to be stretchered off. We saw Tielemans come in. We saw Pal Torres come in. Even Philip Coutinho, for those of you that are old enough to remember when he was useful. Um, what a fucking shocking like just smoke out of newcastle i wasn't expecting it to be this one-sided i thought this was like a prime candidate for a draw but newcastle coming in to prove any of the one season wonder accusations just downright incorrect newcastle was definitely the best performance of the weekend yeah no doubt five goals i mean the goal department was there all, all, all angles of the pitch. The only thing they didn't get this game was a clean sheet. Yeah. And that was because Diaby was saucing them up. Yeah, he was a great addition to this team. Definitely a better start than Bailey had last year or two seasons ago whenever they got him. Him and Watkins seemed like they'll be a solid duo up front. They had a few more chances they could have put away um, early on in the first half. But, yeah, as soon as uh, Tonali got off the mark... It was a uh, all the the shit hit the fan for Villa, and um, Anthony Gordon had a really solid game as well. Mm-hmm. Him him getting the start was surprising to me over Harvey Barnes, um, as well as if they decide to put Isak out in the left and play Wilson in the middle. But yeah, they couldn't ask for, couldn't have asked for a better start, top of the league there based off goal differential, and it's looking like great signs moving for them going forward if they can keep this up and get away from all the draws they had last year. They had like 14 draws. It's going to be a phenomenal year for them, including what they decide to do in the Champions League, however that ends up. But yeah, overall great performance. Everybody showed up for them. Villa, it was a bit surprising after the summer series and how they were playing. They looked very solid. Their attack moving forward was great. Picked up two unfortunate long-term injuries with Buendia last week. He having a, a massive injury out until, I think, the new year, as well as now Tyrone Miggs. He's going to be out with a ankle injury until December, uh, January, I believe. It's at least it's at least for four months. So losing two, two key vets in the team there is tough, but they do have pretty good depth now. I think that you haven't mentioned Pau Torres came in. They also have Diego Carlos who can come in and do a job. Uh, Diaby is going to fill in that Buendia role. Um, again, we saw Tillemans like they've built up the squad enough to where they can they can get through these times. Uh, we saw Coutinho, who's still a part of this team, has been phased out a bit, but we'll see what what value he adds to Unai Emery. But yeah, I think both these teams are going to have solid years, and for Villa to have to go up to St James Park is really tough to ask to start the season. But yeah, they're going to have to bounce back next week against more fairly better competition Mm -hmm. for sure uh okay up next what do we have oh yes brentford two tottenham two someone else take this one for me i talked about tottenham enough today yeah the these two games are ones that i saw predominantly during the day 
I had actually good service, so it wasn't cutting out on me. Um, yeah, it, it went a little bit different than I thought it was with the results. Thought it would go Spurs' way, um, thinking Harry Kane was probably going to stay, but that didn't come to be. But it was still a very entertaining game in the end. The 11th minute, we saw Romero off the mark from a James Madison free kick assist. Earlier in the match, though, he had co- head collision with, with uh, Brian Embuemo, which after this goal, uh, Postacoglu took Romero off for the player's safety. Uh, Romero wasn't happy, but rather than him only being out for a week, he's saving him from a long, long time off the sidelines as well as maybe um, life-saving, a life-saving decision. You never know with these head injuries. So he decided to do that over the result when Romero came out. You saw a massive difference because Davinson Sanchez came on, who last year didn't have the best seasons, I would say, to be fair. And then a penalty decision. Son fouled Embuemo, or sorry, he fouled Jensen, who went down. Embuemo steps up for, for Tony, who's out, uh, and secured the goal. And then they doubled the lead with a Jan Visa uh, goal off a Rico Henry assist, who had a phenomenal game down the left side, really getting in behind those fullbacks that, that uh, for Tottenham are leaving massive, massive gaps, which could be a problem for Tottenham moving forward. Uh, and then a, lo- a nice save right before the half, Madison with a, a, another assist to Emerson Royale, top the box, Flecken saw it late, couldn't get there in time, went into the half 2-2, and then second half we saw tactical changes, a few more chances for both sides, but it wasn't meant to be. They get to share the points there and uh, walk away with uh, some things to think about moving forward. For Tottenham's sake, I would say, I already mentioned that the Royale and, and Uduguo, Udugi both... Uh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, they both pushed very, very high forward, only leaving the two center backs, and at times the center backs were in the opposition's half, so counterattacks will be an extremely critical point for teams to get them even more so than how Liverpool are with their their back line pushing high um, and having somebody like Basuma who had a very good game to cut a lot of that, that out he just needs a partner in there Oliver Skip was asked today to start with him doesn't seem like he's going to be that guy after one match which is harsh to say but uh, I said from last year he's just not that guy they have options better options there when Bentoncourt comes back as well as Hoiberg if he decides to stay um, the front four was solid. Bar Richarlson, he could never, he couldn't really get into the game. Yeah, wasn't much of a factor. And then lastly for Tottenham, I'd say is their goalkeeper, baptism by fires like Trafford for Burnley. He was caught on the ball a little much. Is just a little bit of the nerves on his mind. And then uh, Brentford did their thing. They just locked it in. Bad start from Flecken, but they locked it in. I thought the fullbacks were decent. And then the two forwards both scoring that's all you can ask from them yeah i mean i i like i actually really enjoyed watching tottenham if you guys want to hear a little bit more about what i what i thought about the game there's half an hour on it uh pretty much but i i thought the tempo and intensity was extremely improved from last year so i for one am, am positive about this game and tottenham moving forward um just every single pass this is what i said earlier Every single pass seemed like it had intent and there was more pace on the ball. They were ready to go forward at, you know, every single moment. Uh, the negative play was was minimalized. I thought the useless passing around, useless chops, like all that stuff was 
was out. There was an intent here, and I think if you're Tottenham right now, like as as a fan, that's that's pretty much all you can ask for. So it's going to be a minute, but I think Tottenham will be okay, and I I do think Richarlison will turn it around. Uh, I know we gave him like an entire year last year, but um, he'll figure it out. He will figure it out. Uh, I agree. I'm happy my boy and Buemo got on the board here. And yeah, what's the two? Both, both the Tony stand-ins, even yeah. though uh, they could both really start. I mean, Buemo starts, he says the the backup. Yeah, I I thought. But, oh, go ahead. They, yep, they both uh, get their time to shine here. Buemo taking set pieces as well. I think uh, Jensen took a knock in this one, and so Buemo is probably going to be taking corners as well for him going forward. He's going to be pretty crucial till Tony comes back. Mm-hmm. And the one, uh, you know, one more thing to to add on about Brentford, um, Rico Henry, dude, he is so fucking fast. He's like a lightning bolt. He's he's got to be up there, like top five, top Them ten, five at the back, definitely. That's dude, he was cooking. He was just so quick up the wing, and I mean, he's going against like Emerson and um, just just like frying him and emerson is not slow either and he's tall too he's got a long stride um but rico henry man so quick out of the blocks and a couple of couple of really really good crosses that embuemo couldn't finish there's one where he just he just couldn't get get over the ball and blow it over the bar brentford could have won tottenham could have won could have been a draw was a draw um this was high wire football in the first half i mean this probably my favorite half of football to watch uh, of the entire week, like just super, super pleased with what I saw out of both teams, and I think both teams, like strangely, will take really positive results from that. Uh, okay, and then up next we have Chelsea one, Liverpool one. Matt, go ahead. I'll give this one to you. This is your team. Yeah, I was saying to a coworker today, who's a fellow Chelsea guy, we. I said um, they did exactly what I wanted them to do. I said an exciting match with a half-decent result, and the product and the progressions were there. And moving forward, it's looking like it's going to be a, a positive season up to this point, and not even talking about the, the, the additions now that are joining, as well as I'm sure a few more as the window goes on. But, yeah, for this specific match, when you look at the lineup, it was – Something we didn't even see during preseason, the with a three-five-two or a three-four-three, however you want to view that. Um, Robert Sanchez now our new number one with the news of Kepa going to Real Madrid on a year-long loan. Never thought in a million, year, million years I would see that or ever have to say that, but Kepa is the Real Madrid number one. Um, Caldwell Silva and Diasi, the new boy, coming in. Chilwell and James. Uh, in there at the wingback roles, captain and vice captain. Gallagher and Fernandez in there in the midfield. Chuko Mecca getting the start with Sterling and Jackson up front. Um, pretty much how I, I thought it would go. Maybe you sub in Mudrick in there for Chuko Mecca. I don't know. But yeah, it was a solid start. And then Liverpool was pretty standard. You saw the only. The only attacker they left out was Nunes. The other four were in there, as well as the new midfield pairing of uh, McAllister and Subozlai, and then the normal back five. Um, started out pretty decent for Liverpool. Perfect through ball from McAllister down the wing to Mo, who slipped in Diaz perfectly for a little tap in on the back post. 
in behind the back line, got him off hot, got me a little low in the morale, but we were playing decent ball. And after that, um, Axel Diassi, the new boy, assisted by Ben Chilwell, scores a nice little scrappy goal, getting his debut goal. And then uh, Ben Chilwell scored, but was, was ruled off sides, which would have made it 2-1. I also forgot that Mo Salah did score and was also ruled off sides. That would have put it 2-0, which would have would have really tested us to see how, how thick our skin is and how, how much of an industrial team we are now. But after that, it was back and forth, chance after chance. Bit of a scare there from Sanchez late on in the back, uh, playing yeah. Enzo in the middle when Enzo was pointing out to Chilwell. Uh, very, very big break. Uh, didn't turn out to be a goal against us. And then uh, the last chance of the game, ball down to Mudrik, who had to take it a touch wide of the goal. And Ian Matson on the cutback got his blo- shot blocked, unfortunately, for the winner. But I was very positive. Our fitness was there. We were creating more chances late on. Trent was almost a non-factor in this game out of yeah. the right back position, which is a phenomenal thing to do against Liverpool. And we really, we really frustrated him. Mo Salah got subbed off early in the 75th and was very, very, very visibly upset, ripping off his tape on his wrist and just leaving it out there as trash. Didn't even shake Klopp's hand. Yeah. It, it was a... Klopp decided to just secure the point and play it safe and rest his guys for the next week where they can probably destroy Bournemouth by six. But, yeah, I'm happy with the result. I thought the players did good. I thought Enzo was absolutely spraying the ball all over the place. It was great to see. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't see the full extent of Jackson. We did see his pace and how he can be in behind. But Liverpool and their one-on-one defending with Van Dijk and Konate were very solid and could cope with him at times. But it's good signs moving forward. It's unfortunate because if we had Nkunku here, it could have been a, a big, big difference in there for Chukwameka. But... Yeah, and we can only be excited now that with Caicedo in, as well as potentially Lavia now, who agreed terms has taken us over Liverpool. It's uh, it's good things moving forward. It's unfortunate for guys like Gallagher, who are Chelsea through and through. Um, I'd love to see him be a part of the squad, but for his growth, he definitely deserves to be a first-team player in this league. And if we can get a decent bid for him, that'd be great, but... Yeah, the squad's changing every every week, every day, every hour, it seems like. And it's uh, it's exciting times. But if we can't keep Chilwell and James her, uh, healthy, then it's it's tactically going to have to change massively for um, for Pochettino, which we need to get it, get these points early on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think Liverpool are going to struggle. Not struggle, but... Teams that have experienced center backs, like guys that have been playing for a long time, no matter what league it's been, as long as they've been playing for a long time, they're going to be able to contain Liverpool's attack so much more effectively. And having Thiago Silva is so important for you guys because the team now is like Arsenal's team. It's super young, like really, really young. Guys like Reese James and Ben Chilwell are your veterans, and those guys aren't that old. Um... So I think that, you know, just having Thiago Silva in here with the Sassi and Colwell uh is is huge. And I think you guys did an amazing job of uh of containing that just it it's truly a murderer's row of attackers. You have Jota Sala, Diaz, Gakpo, Sobos Lion, then McAllister as well. And then not mentioning the fact that TAA and Robertson both whip in effective crosses, like it is truly insane. They're basically playing with two defenders. 
Um, and you guys did a good job. You held them to one goal. I think and literally any team conceding just one goal uh, to Liverpool is a huge achievement. So great game from Chelsea. Liverpool are going to be upset that they weren't able to capitalize on all the players that are missing from Chelsea and even players that went missing in the game. Reese James, I'm looking at you. You're fucking injured again. Um, yeah, good result. How's he injured again? I just don't understand. Uh, uh, he's fine. It's uh, oh, it all just, right. fit, just fitness. He's uh, just scabbed. Okay. okay. But I think that's regularly what we're going to see. I think he'll be a regular sub around the 80th minute mark. I mean, he runs a lot, but like when he, uh, he, I know he walked off the pitch. Like I watched him walk off, but then I looked at my fan tracks and it's like out for next Sunday, fit fitness issue. You're going to see that a lot there. The I game. know, that's dude, that's everybody. just, I know, but that's like, he misses so much time every year. Yeah. I just yeah, got scared. I mean, that's, the, that's the, that's just the risk you take with him. We saw the best of him. He, he had nine assists the one year, led the team two years ago. And last year he only got one. He's just so Obviously. talented. Like it sucks. Yeah. A lot of people think he's our best player and he's the only world-class player at the club, which I think you can make a fair argument and I can agree with it, but we're going to see the growth of more. Um, obviously, age is going to be a factor. Caicedo in there is going to allow Enzo to push further up, which would be phenomenal. And now with Lavia as a rotation piece in there for acting as that six and coming in for tactically, if we want to lock things down, is great. Just gives, gives Pochettino a lot more factors. And I think the general vibe with the squad and the manager and his team is great not speaking about the board and the execs and all that, that's a completely different story. But as long as the team is performing on the pitch, I think that's what fans primarily care about. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I guess that takes us into our last game of the week. Zach, I'm laying this one on you, buddy. Uh, I don't know how, if you're going to be objective about this or not, but Manchester United won Wolves zero. I'll just tell you where I stand on this one. We didn't deserve three points. Uh, that's fair. That I think that's the objective point of view, my friend. But we'll take it. That's right. We will. I also agree. Take it. Yeah. I mean, the team performance. I just sum it up in a couple, a few words for you. I just we weren't ready. Yeah. We weren't ready for week one. Need a couple more weeks to warm up. It looks like I was saying to uh, to Matt earlier. It looked like Rashford. He's playing out there. He forgot to do his summer book report. Yeah. He was he had his mind on other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the what about, what about your wasn't there for everybody. I thought Anthony oh, we'll get played to like his valuation was at one dollar <laughs> instead of a hundred million. Yup. Uh I think Sancho should definitely start in this team. He was the guy I was expecting to do that didn't, but makes sense that uh Garnacho did. He was one I of thought the he was okay. Season. I think Garnacho's gonna be a regular in the team all year. He's earned it. Yeah. Um, wow. The wingers in this team are definitely the ones you're going to see rotated the most. Mount, Mount. Mount coming in. Oof. I mean, he, he needs more time in the oven as well. He he was nervous all preseason, I think. He's still on preheat. He's going to be yeah. 007. That's Mount, dude. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get there, but he, he needs more time. It's just nice that he's got... Uh, Bruno and Casemiro around him, who I think are going to compliment him welcome whenever he's ready. Yeah. Uh, the midfield just got Ran exposed through. in this one. I mean, 
Nunez was running through us nonstop. Yeah, he's good, dude. In every area except finishing, looked solid in this one. Craig Dawson and Max Kilman looked like world class, like team of the year center backs at times in this one. Just how many times they were stopping us. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there wasn't too much threat coming in. Our one chance was the 76th minute. It was a cross from Bisaka after a corner breakdown. Veron had stayed in the box. He got up for the header and he won it. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be his only goal all year. I don't think he scored last year. He did not. But that was the defining moment of the game. We took our chance and Wolves didn't take their six shots on targets from yeah. 23. I mean, the six on target, I think we're all right at Onana. Pedro Neto had a, had a clear look at goalie. He had time to take a touch take a smoke and then take a shot but it was just <laughs> right at Anana. he just couldn't uh couldn't believe how shit his finishing was yeah had a pen. i don't know uh and the end at the end objectively that should be a pen i mean the guy goes for the ball oh, he's no longer there he absolutely him. destroys the man <laughs> but i mean tim howard made a great point afterwards he's like historically those are never called he's yeah i've gone up for many of those in my time and they're well, just never called so historically tim howard was a man united player that's also true that's true but i think the way goalies are viewed in soccer is that they're protected so that probably gives the refs a little more leniency to not calling it well earlier be- this week in the newcastle game i thought martinez should have got a straight red he came out of the box and just uh, threw on there on well, down he, he wasn't the last man well, he wasn't the last man, but I thought it was clear, deliberate from behind. He just threw him down. There's nothing. That was, that was, that was no a different tackle from behind in open, in open play, and it's deliberate. I mean, that's a red card contention. It was a, it was a tactical foul. This this was something that Onana didn't even have to get involved in. That Kaleshik and Dawson were on top of each other. It was no I'm not way. defending. I think it should have been a pen, but they just never called it. it I mean, what well, you were saying, he was going to save it anyway. I do agree. I mean, Wolves all game fucking couldn't shoot. So I think Anana would have either saved her or he would have blew it over the bar. I wasn't concerned if it was given or not. To, to be, like, go ahead. No, you go, you go. go to be fair, Wolves, like, all of the shots they had on target, like Zach said, were pretty much right at Onana. They weren't threatening. They weren't. And the shots that weren't right they at him game and were was great at creating the chances. Yeah, were like wide. They, they put a ton of shots wide, like a ton. Um, we, we, there's more to talk about, though. We got to talk about the, the butcher, dude. The butcher got oh, fucking team. skinned. He was he, skinned the first half he, in early, early yellow, so he rightfully had to come out of the game. I, I mean, I don't have much to say about Veron, and really, we can't like fault him. He was the one that got the goal. Martinez made Mateus Cunha look like fucking R9. Mateus Cunha looked like the best striker in the world today. He was Cunha is on fantasy is going to be picked up by I, a million people. I was like, like I, I drafted him and then I let and him gonna go. Realize that getting two points a week. Yeah, he exactly. That's it's the truth. But Mateus Cunha, Sarabia, I, honestly, Sarabia looked really good, and Mateus Nunez, like, um, those guys looked fucking awesome. This is I think that's the that's the problem with playing United. They make everybody look good, and then you play an actual team that's got that priorities in order structure. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, that this is just the definition of wolves. We see it every year. We talked about in the preseason uh, review. It was just like they find a way to stay up somehow. They pepper the goal. You mentioned all the shots they have, but they're all off target and they're not in great great high percentage areas. So. They got screwed over a bit, in my opinion, not getting that having a chance to have that penalty. But 
it's it is what it is. Zach Zach mentioned uh, before we recorded, like they they had their opportunities, they just yeah. couldn't take them, and it is what it is. And I think the number one winner after all this is is Gary O'Neill because for him to have the just under a week and a handful of training sessions with this team, he got him in a a great spot to have a chance to steal three points from from Old Trafford or get even out of here with a point. So yeah, that's what I think. From this game is going to get overshadowed the Wolves' performance, regardless of the the finishing that the team uh, that he's got he's got a lot to work with there. Yeah, yeah. and th- and next week it doesn't get easier because they're going to have to play Brighton, oh. which is, is going to be even tougher for them. But yeah, they they have a rough start to the year. They they got was that Brighton, and then they're they're going to play Everton. So hopefully they can get some points early on to keep them out of that relegation talk. But um, I would be more worried for United here. It's going to add a lot of questions. It's going to make people worry about getting Hoyland back quicker. And then we still have the whole decision on Greenwood come September. What are they going to take him back, or is he going to be excluded from the team? fully for good i mean he's been out of uh i saw a video of him training the other day by the way like i don't know bro i don't think he's gonna be able to get it back when he was playing he was phenomenal you know but it's it's low-key been so long like i don't know if he'll be able to get it back him rashford bruno hoyland if he's good like there's that's it's gonna be like that's number one thing you know you need they so they, they only scored 50-some goals last year when their competition was scoring 70-80. to 80. If they want a serious title push, they need to get around that 80-goal mark. Yeah. I mean, I... Number nine in this team. Yeah. I kind of want to, like, talk about the, what kind of transfer is equivalent to the Anthony one. Because to me, like, Arsenal did this. We literally already did this with fucking... Pepe. With Pepe, dude. It's They're the same player. What about and they, Chelsea and, and they suck. Well, we're, the jury's still out on Mudrick, but he he could be the same, dude. Fifty dollars oh, yeah, yeah, before yeah, the yeah. season started that Anthony will score more than Mudrick. I don't know. Where do you lie on that? They're, uh, who would you who would you think yeah, scores now, more it's not goals? Looking good, but I mean they're zero. I mean one of them is like a dollar cheeseburger from Arby's, and the other <laughs> and or from McDonald's, and the other one is like a dollar buffalo chicken slider from Arby's. That like they. They both are. You know what you're getting. Um, I'm going with McDonald's for I, the consistency. I think if you put a gun to my head, I would say Mudrick, just because I think his like his pace and individual Eight skill is better. That's what lures you in, though. I know Anthony gets at least two looks a game from the top right of the box. I think Anthony is going to get. Yeah, but I don't know, Zach. Today, he had a couple today, but he hesitated he, to shoot. I don't know why. He had a lot of chances today. Like, I think if you put any other winger, even like the wingers that are on your bench, if you put Sancho in those Sancho, positions, I think he, he scores. Showed that he, he deserves to start out yeah. there. Yeah. And I, I like, we I fucking don't like nine. him either, I but I still think Garnacha should be a super sub. I don't think he's the starter. I don't think he's ready to start yet. No, I think well, Sancho has to be Sancho out there. in there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you have to, like, as United right now playing this, like, it's, it really is counterattacking football, kind of. Um, Especially when Casemiro's not like totally up to snuff, you can't build it out of the back as effectively. Um, he Casemiro really didn't look that good today. I think you can do that. Like you have the luxury of just plugging and playing wingers, and whoever looks the quickest in training that week, you just fucking throw him in there. And it's it's gonna be Anthony a lot of the time. He is quick. He's just I think his decision making is is shit. It like it's today. bad. He didn't make one good pass. That's a, I can remember. It's cra- yeah. it's crazy. Like the Brazilian players, they they either see 
25 steps ahead or they are 25 steps behind. There is no one that is just like a run of the mill. Uh, like, look at Casemiro. He's so far ahead of everybody else in terms of thinking of pace of play and where the ball goes next. And then you have Anthony, who is just fucking so useless. David Nere, David Neres comes to mind. Like all of these think, guys. Uh, to be fair to Anthony, I think Casimir comes with a wealth of experience playing at the highest of levels yeah, with Madrid so, uh... for so long, and he comes in as a, as as a top top notch player in his position. Where I think Anthony and Martinez get more criticism specifically because they are Ten Hag guys. They were brought in for by him specifically. They also have cringe ass haircuts that piss me <laughs> off. And it doesn't help when they they make themselves stand out a bit more. But still, I mean, that's what they're going for. They they can do whatever they want. But if they're not getting the results on the field, people are gonna criticize them even more. But we we know Martinez can put in phenomenal performances and be strong. He's a, he's going to have the occasional stinker. Hopefully, he doesn't turn into the new Maguire when Maguire leaves. But yeah, I think it's a long year early on. Get this one out. Uh, you're going to need luck in this league too. That's something that people don't talk about too oh, much. We got it. And you used one one bit of coin there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just. I I hate them. They look like TikTokers. It annoys me so much. I do we pr- want to do we want to move into the new segment? Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead, the Zach. Introduce the set. The, the best main of the week. Who do, you, who do who do you have? Do you, go ahead, Zach. You got to go first. I mean, do you want to explain the segment? It was brought to you by Eli Porter, <laughs> yeah. the best of all time. And what uh, we... So best of the week is is just essentially our man of the week, player of the week. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I my my initial reaction uh, was Onana for me. Not yeah, even well... a, a joke. I had to say Onana. He 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 was there when he needed to be. Made all the saves he had. Uh, I think it was four or five saves on the day. It was six yeah. saves actually. That I credit him with, and he got away with murder at the end, and mm-hmm. probably won us the game there. Yeah. So, and on his debut, you got the clean sheet. I think to, if De Gea is in goal, he doesn't even attempt to come out for that. No. No. Well, I, yeah. Definitely. I, I agree. The guy who's jumping up at it was like six eight, big like Eastern yeah. European guy. I think I'm not leveled him though, and quite, uh, I'm quite very happy with yeah. his performance. All right, Evan. Who's 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 your the best man of the week? Um. I think I'm gonna have to go with James Madison. I know he only registered. Oh. The, I only know he only registered. Um. Uh, the one assist, but he was so instrumental in everything Tottenham were doing. I think moving forward, he is going to be just so important for them. And I think it's super impressive that he takes a step out of that Leicester team right into this, this Spurs team with no Harry Kane, and he makes everybody around him work harder and look better. Um, super impressed with the way he looked, really defensively and offensively. Um, that free he took was just so magnificently placed. He was he was easily my player of the week. Yeah, the number ten that was yep. also mine. But mm-hmm. to be different, uh, I'm gonna take Alexander Isak. Yeah, here's my here's my other choice. Um, just pure pace, the quality, the the chip finish. 
over Martinez was class and he looked he, a step above from last season definitely. Yeah, he's, he's, just, he's ready to play. Yeah, he's just next level. He's definitely a guy who's gonna be pushing for that golden boot with the likes of Sala and Holland. Um, or maybe if it's a race for second with how Holland is, but yeah, I would definitely give it to him. Uh, my other honorable mention would, I think, be McAllister for Liverpool. I think just his passing range adds a new dimension on top of what Trent already does. So if they can somehow find an, a six that wants to go to them over Chelsea, that allows him to push higher and be more involved in the attack, I think he's definitely going to be up there for player of the season for them. Yeah, nice. I'm the best man. I did That's it. I was brought to you by Eli Porter. Eli. Of course. And I mean, you guys, you guys are not going to understand that reference. It is, it's an ancient, ancient, ancient inside joke meme that we have been, I haven't heard in a while. And when Zach played that clip, when I got in here, I was fucking crying. Took um, back. It has been so long since I've watched that video. Maybe I'll I'll tweet it out from the uh, the the post twenty Twitter account. But holy fuck, man! Yeah. Uh, what a okay. throwback. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll we'll get into match day two. Yeah, but just recap in week one. We all went positive, which is great. Love starting the year like that. Evan and I went six and four, and Zach went seven and three. Yep. Cooking early. Those draws got me. Yeah. Up there. Uh, okay. So our first day, first game of the week will be Friday. Nottingham Forest versus Sheffield United at City Ground. So a home game for Nottingham Forest. Forest typically much, much better at home. I think we could see Tywo get the start here. I'm going to take Nottingham Forest. I think they can beat Sheffield here. I'm going with Forrest, too. That crowd's going to be electric, and the players are just, every after every tackle, after every shot, they're just going to be looking and hyping them up. It's, it, I think it's going to be like the Newcastle game. Forrest might put two or three past them. I also have Forrest. I think this is a massive game for Sheffield because if they, they can't improve on what they did against Palace in a significant capacity against a team like Forrest with similar quality to them, it's it's going to be a long year for them, and it's going to lose a lot. It's going to make me lose a lot of faith in them to see where they can earn points in this league. So, I think Forrest bounce back after that Arsenal game and get three. Okay. Um, up next, uh, since Luton Town and Burnley's been postponed because Luton Town play in a literal garbage fire, uh, Liverpool versus Bournemouth Saturday at ten. I think this one's pretty easy. Uh, it is a home game. It's at Anfield. As we say, Anfield probably the hardest place to play uh, in Europe. I'm going to take Liverpool. Liverpool next. Yep. Yeah, I have Liverpool as well. I'm, I'm keen to see how much possession Bournemouth hold because we saw last, uh, or sorry, yesterday, Sunday, Chelsea held 65% possession, meaning Liverpool had 35, and Bournemouth did also have 60%. So if that's 50 50 split, that's an improvement for Bournemouth, and they can do it against bigger teams. So I think Liverpool here definitely, but um, I want to see how they handle if they don't have as much possession. Okay. Um, Wolves versus Brighton up next. Oh, dude, I don't know. Wolves looks looked good enough today for me to like consider taking them, but I'm going to take Brighton. No, I'm not... 
don't get yourself deceived. I know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, not. I'm going to take it's Brighton. it's a new manager, but I had a good read on this Wolves team last year. They're not winning here. It's Brighton. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there was a little bit of doubt in my mind for Brighton. They do do play, they, they do play better on the road. And as I mentioned before, I think United early in the season make teams look better than they actually are. So I think Brighton here definitely at least by two. Okay. Um, up next, Fulham versus Brentford. I'll start swapping picks. Uh, Matt, who do you have here? I got Brentford on the road. I really don't like Fulham's midfield with Lukic and, and Reed. I thought Lukic is very mid and Reed can't maintain what Paulina brought. So I think Brentford here on the road is a good pick. They're definitely going to be a spoiler team this year a lot. It is a West London derby, so I'm expecting fireworks. But if Mitrovic and Pereira get the start here, um, that may add a bit of a difference. But still, I think Brentford here... Um, maybe even have a formation switch because we saw last year when they play teams that they deem are better quality overall, they play with that five back. But when they feel like they're more involved in the games, they go to that that flat four. So this might be one of those occasions, and we could see a front three of Vis and Boimo and, and a shot off the bench. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm going to take Brentford too here. Zach, who do you have? I want to be very precise and methodical with my Brentford picks this year because they are my my new second team taking uh, the spot over Brighton just because of my fantasy players. I got Mbwemo and Jensen in there. Uh, so I got them dead on with the draw last week versus Spurs. I said they were going to have a weird one. This one, I mean, they should get the win here, but Leno, I mean, Leno showed up massive last week he made a lot of saves well to be fair half of them were from melpi they were from melpi uh he's gonna get challenged a bit more here brentford is uh, is a little more creative than everton i would say so i'm gonna side with the bees on the road here i'm taking brentford to win okay um we are all like-minded yeah and then we have tottenham versus manchester united up next this one's matt's the next one is matt's and then zach you'll have first pick on the last three um, who do you have here, Matt? I have Tottenham. I think it's going to be a very open game. I think Tottenham are create, going to create a lot of opportunities, uh, just as many as Wolves, but Son having an off game last week will be more clinical. I think Kulisevsky creates a lot more, and obviously I haven't mentioned both of our players of the or our, the best man of the week um, for week one is Madison. That guy's going to be influential as hell here, and... It's going to be up to Casemiro to bottle him up, and I think he can, but still, he's definitely going to pick up an early yellow and have to play more lenient towards him. So I definitely have Spurs here in a shootout. Um, yeah, okay. United did not have a strong showing today, but they got the win, and that's what mattered the most. I think we dropped points here, though. I can't pick them to lose, but I'm going to pick them to tie. Okay. Um, I'll take Tottenham. I think they win this one. I think like if they if they outwork United the way that um uh Wolves outworked them today, like they have more quality. They have enough quality to actually put the ball in the back of the net. And your boy the best main of the week, Onana, might might be uh looking tall. So I'll take Spurs. Uh okay, Matt, your last first pick, Manchester City versus Newcastle. It's just like the oil money oh derby. Yeah. 
match of the week for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Three three draw last year in one of the legs, one of the two matches. But I did it this year or last year. I'm gonna do it again this year. You take Man City to win 38 out of 38 weeks. So I'm going with the champs. I think it's gonna be a phenomenal match, though. Yeah, I'm sticking with that strat too, especially at home. I'm taking City. Okay. Uh, I will. I think I'm gonna take a draw. Fuck it. I'll take a draw. You took uh, a draw with them and Burnley last week. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you just I really. I think just, it's more likely this week, but you just oh, want yeah, to flip course. Arsenal get the lead. Yeah, right. I mean, Arsenal didn't look that great last week, so like we genuinely have to hope for. I mean, so we got to draw points some at some point. Right? No, but dude, they got they got <laughs> DB. They got my boy DB Dan Burn Dick Burn. He's he's gonna lock. He's gonna right. Oh, Foden. Yeah. No. No De Bruyne. So. Yeah, no KDB. We got we got Big Sandro Pirlo Jr. That's what that's what the fucking pundits are calling him. Not yep. because he plays anything like him, just because he's Italian with he's long hair. Um, <laughs> I mean, seems like slightly xenophobic, maybe. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a draw. Uh, okay, and then Zach, your first pick. I'm sorry, this is where it fell. Aston Aston Villa versus Everton. Everton, I think, do better on the road, but Villa's going to be pissed. Diaby's going to be balling out. He might even have a hat trick. I'm taking Villa. Uh, okay, I'm going to take Villa as well. I don't think it's going to be as clear-cut as we think. I think Villa have more dirty laundry to figure out. That's true. It. Mings, Mings did get a bad injury. I think he's out till April, so they got to have a new fullback in there for yeah. or uh, center back. Yeah, we we touched on it. Pau Torres probably going to get the start as well as maybe Diego Carlos, but I think Dan Juma deserves a start here over Mel Pai. We could see the return of DCL as well, and what he adds is something that none of these guys have. Um, and as well as the new signing, Yusuf uh, Chermidi, he's the young Portuguese player born in 2004, could see some minutes too, but... Yeah, I'm going to have to still go with Villa here. I think just that duo of Diaby and Watkins up front is definitely something I'm going to like watching all year. Yeah. Uh, did I make a pick? Yeah, nope. you took Villa. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, all right. I change that. No, I, I don't. I mean, they're signing Yusuf Chermiti. <laughs> um, okay, West Ham versus Chelsea up next. Zach, who do you have here? Another London derby. One of many this year. Uh, Chelsea on the road, I mean, they show that they can control the game, especially against Liverpool. And uh, if they can do that against West Ham, I think they'll win. They'll get a, Potts will get his first win for Chelsea here. I'm taking the Blues. Yeah. Um, I'll take Chelsea as well. I don't think it, I only picked one draw, but I'll, we'll I'll take Chelsea. We'll see how early in the year Chelsea can burn me. Week yeah. two, we'll see. Yeah, we haven't beaten them at uh, at the London Stadium since 2021. Uh, other than that, we've kind of struggled away to West Ham. So this is kind of a bogey team, but you couldn't ask for a more different squad in general. And I would very, I would imagine Caicedo is going to start here. So I think it's definitely Chelsea here. Okay. Uh, and one, then, right? yeah, Zach, your last one, Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. I'm just going to go real quick with it. I'm going Arsenal. They're going to stay sturdy. This one's like, 
low-key scream and draw at me, but I have to pick Arsenal. It was a winning strategy last year, picking Arsenal every week, so I'll do it again. Did the double on them. I'm going to take them. Last season. Yeah, and your, I, first and, your first and second team playing each other. I know, this is tough. My first and second team are both top five right now. How about that? Pretty sick. Mm-hmm. I'll take Arsenal. I, I Honestly, I want to see the black kits so bad, too. They're so clean. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with Arsenal as well. Um, it's going to be tough to break down that midfield. I really like Palace's setup, but um, we could... We're definitely going to have miss Timber there. So uh, if if they decide to maybe slide Ben White back out there and then play uh, Gabriel back alongside his partner Saliba, but we'll see. That back line is going to be changing a lot this year. So um, and then Ketty is probably going to start again up front, who found himself in a lot of great spots against Forest. So I'm looking forward to this matchup as well. Okay. Um, that's it, right? We're already yep, at the just, end of the show. Yep, just the nine matches. All right. Well, a little bit unfortunate that we've only got nine matches this week, but don't worry. Soon enough, we'll have fucking fifteen. Uh, it's it's surely uh will start to happen. So, um, I want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post Twenty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you guys haven't listened to the Tottenham Pod special uh, with our Tottenham correspondent, Mister Kyle, uh, the Pork Roll Yid, please go over and check that out. It's on the same feed as what you're listening to right now. So again. Thank you, everybody. Hope your team had a good starting week. If they didn't, hopefully next week is better. And we will see you next Monday or Tuesday. See you guys.